0: This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specially Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now grab a snack and get ready for Food Fables, where we share original short fiction stories about produce and its connection to people, culture, and more. Dimitri sat on the curbside outside the original farmer's market in Los Angeles before daybreak. He had already prepped his apple pies for the day and was enjoying his morning cup of tea as he greeted the farmers unloading their trucks. Morning, Papa Earth! The farmers and their farmhands called out as they passed by, nodding over the crates of fresh produce that filled their arms. Dimitri would nod in return with a polite smile. As he raised his cup to sip his tea, his eye caught the shimmering orange reflection from one crate as the sun slowly peeked its head out to officially start the day and bounced off of the fruit. The farmhand carrying the crate noticed Dimitri's interest peak as he looked down at his crate then back at Dimitri. As Dimitri peered over the edge of his cup, it was as if the fruit itself was peering back right at him over the edge of the crate. "'Morning, Papa Earth,' the farmhand said as he came and sat beside Dimitri, placing his crate down next to him. "'Always a good morning if it starts with a persimmon.' Dimitri said with a wink. Oh yeah, these babies are my favorite, another farmhand said as he approached with his own crate of the fruit. Persimmons are a wonderful treasure. They are prized in all corners of the world, from China, Japan, and Korea, to Greece, South Africa, and yes, here in America, Dimitri began as few other farmhands came and stood over him. In China, where the Japanese persimmon species has been cultivated for more than 2,000 years, they are called the Trees of the Seven Virtues. One, their sweet fruit. Two, their longevity. Three, their sturdy wood. Four, their beautiful decorative abundant leaves. Five, their protective shade. Six, their possibilities for nesting birds. And seven, their branches that can produce fire. They are known by many names, like Apple of the East and Lotus of Japan. They even earned the honor of being called the Trees of Peace after the Second World War, as the only things to survive the atomic bomb of 1945 in Nagasaki were a few brave persimmon trees. Wow, I didn't think it was possible to like this fruit more than I already do, said one of the farmhands. Dimitri continued, Many people believe that Homer, when mentioning lotus eaters in his Odyssey, was actually referring to eating persimmon fruit and not lotus flowers. It's a popular fruit in Iran as well, where it is locally known as kormelu, meaning date plum. In Naples, it is called legnastana, meaning holy wood, as local lore tells you can open the fruit and see the crucifix. Another farmhand reached for a persimmon from his crate as he pulled out his pocket knife. He split it open and held out the two halves like an open book. Hmm, I don't see it, he said as he squinted his eyes and furrowed his eyebrows, examining the fruit closer. It's all a matter of perspective, Dimitri winked. What about the American persimmon? Someone asked. Ah, yes. While the American persimmon may not have such a detailed written history when compared to the Japanese persimmon, that does not mean it doesn't have a story of its own housed inside its flesh. Dimitri held out his hand and motioned for the farmhand with the crate of American persimmons to hand him a fruit. According to American folklore, specifically lore of the Ozarks, a persimmon seed can predict the severity of winter in the area where it was grown. Dimitri pulled out his own pocket knife and cut into the fruit, popping out a single seed, which he allowed to fall at his feet. He pulled his pocket square out from beneath his suspender strap, placed it on the ground, and laid the cut persimmon fruit down gently atop it. He aligned the seed below his knife and cut it in half gently, taking care not to let the blade strike the ground below. You must examine the shape of the kernel inside. He continued as he replaced his pocket knife and picked up the open seed, one half in each palm. A knife shape means colder than average temperatures for winter. The cold will cut like a knife. A spoon shape means that there will be a higher than average snowfall, more that will need to be shoveled. And a fork, like this here, means a warmer winter is ahead. (laughs) Surprise, surprise for California, someone jested, and a few others laughed along. Indeed. Dimitri said with a smile. Yet again, a matter of perspective. It's your choice to believe or not. And what should we believe, Papa Earth? You should believe in the power of your produce, its value, its history, and its significance in this world, for this world. It is something to be treasured and to be shared. Dimitri picked up the persimmon by his side and took a big, satisfying bite. As he hummed with content, he picked up the pocket square and, as usual, with a wipe across his lips like a curtain unveiling the opening act, Dmitri began his story. Dmitri spoke. I grew up in Israel with my parents, both farmers, and from the time I could walk I was out in the orchards helping pick fruit off of the low-hanging branches, or sometimes just the fruits that fell to the ground, but my mother would be equally as encouraging. I'd get a good job, David, with a pat on the head as she took my basket, and I filled my cheeks with the biggest smile you could imagine as I marched proudly behind her into the house. My favorite was the Sharon fruit. My mother was never surprised. She said all persimmons were nature's candy, and they were the only sweet I was allowed as a child. But I didn't mind. I looked forward to Sharon fruit season every year. In the mornings, I preferred the younger Sharon fruit. Still crisp like an apple, but with that tantalizing sweetness that lingered on the tip of my tongue. At night, as dessert, I liked the ripe fruit. The top cut off and maybe just a spoonful of cream, if I was lucky, that I would mash into the flesh, the consistency just like custard. I remember the first time I plucked a persimmon straight from the tree out in the orchard and took a big bite. I was maybe eight years old. My mouth tingled. The bitterness stung the inside of my nostrils, as I assumed my throat was filling up with chalk dust. My face cringed and I burst into tears. My dad laughed at me. He said it was out of love that I was so pathetically endearing in that moment. I was in immeasurable emotional and physical pain, I counter as we recall the moment. He tells me I get my dramatic antics from my mother and her mother. Anyways, that's when I learned about the Sharon fruit. Really learned about it. My father explained how the fruit is picked and stored in a low-oxygen, high-carbon dioxide environment to facilitate natural ripening and remove astringency. It typically takes 24 hours. One full day and you get this incredible, sweet, glowing fruit that you can eat at any stage. Most persimmon varieties, as you now know all too well, my dad winked, must be fully ripe before they can be eaten. This process is what makes the Sharon fruit special, a unique fruit and branded product. It started here in the Sharon plain, which is how it got its name and to think, until that point, I assumed it was named for my own grandmother. That aspect was mildly disappointing, but the rest had me intrigued. Into my teenage years, I worked harder alongside my father, learning as much as I could about this special fruit, distinctive among persimmon cultivars, and almost exclusively grown here in Israel. I was proud. I felt so connected to my homeland, the ground that grew the trees, and the people who tended to the fruit. I learned more about my father, too like how his love for sharon fruit and persimmons stemmed partly from necessity. When he deemed me old enough, about 15, he told me how its juice can be used as an herbal medicine, as it lowers the density of alcohol in the bloodstream. You mean it helps cure hangovers? I laughed, and my father just smiled and winked. And I thought you just really liked the fruit like I do, I teased. Oh, I do, son. I just have more reasons. He did. Not just the hangover helper, but like me, he felt pride in this fruit. The fruit of his land, his home, his process. So I was confused one day when he was telling me about other persimmon types, astringent and non-astringent, pollination constant and pollination variant, and he suddenly fell sad. What's the matter, father? Sharon fruit is special to me. Yeah, me too, father. I know, and that makes me so happy. Then why are you sad? This fruit can do so much more. It can bring joy to so many others. A gift from our home to the world, from my generation to yours. It needs to be shared. I stood nodding my head, though I wasn't fully sure where he was going with this. Come. I followed him into our home. My mother had made a roasted persimmon pudding, and she served us at our humble dining room table, along with some hot tea. It was there that we proposed an idea to pitch to the Moore group an Israeli company that specializes in the Sharon fruit. What if we found a way to supply the fruit year-round? You see, it used to be that the Sharon fruit was harvested only in the Northern Hemisphere. This, coupled with the short shelf life they don't store for more than about three months, left a huge gap throughout the year. What we needed was a counter-season supplier to meet year-round demand and reach a larger audience. At my father's suggestion, one of the Moore Group's owners began investigating the potential of Southern Hemisphere countries in the 1990s. On the short list was New Zealand and Australia, but he soon found that South Africa's Western Cape region had a climate similar to Israel's. Around 1998, my father and I accompanied the Moore Group representatives to help plant the first Sharon fruit trees in the Western Cape. This one's for you, my father said to me with a wink, but I had a feeling he wasn't talking about me alone. About four years later, the first South African-grown persimmons were picked. Year after year, we returned to help plant more trees and more orchards, located mainly in the Southern Cape, around Buffalo Yostravi, Swellendom, and Bonnyvale, with limited orchards further west. I saw the fruit of my father's work take shape in so many ways, and not just on the large scale we had built to share the Sharon fruit with the world. It was so much more personal than that. This venture created much-needed jobs in those small South African towns. Because the Sharon fruit is picked later in the season than other deciduous fruit, it provides work over a longer period of time for seasonal workers. And the fruit's sensitive nature requires dedicated storage and packing facilities, opening even more employment opportunities. It brought hope and support to a community and united farmers from different parts of the world as the Sharon Grower Group Co-op was established Counting over 40 farming groups, South African and Israeli locals alike, as members. The industry in South Africa, founded more than 20 years ago, has continually grown, becoming the chief off season Sharon fruit supplier to overseas markets and serving as home to one of the biggest packing and storage plants for Sharon fruit in the world. First exporting to Europe and the United Kingdom, the South African industry has increased exports into other areas of Africa the Middle East, Canada, and the U.S. One of the last things my father taught me, his frail fingers barely grasping a paring knife, slicing a Sharon fruit in half, he held the two halves out in his palms in front of me. This, he said, is nature's history book. Inside are the blood, sweat, tears, laughter, traditions, accomplishments, failures, legends, folklore, stories of this earth, and all that it has to give. And all that we have given to it. I can't open a Sharon fruit, or any fruit for that matter, without thinking of my father, and I wonder whose hands worked so hard to bring me the small, delicious, delicate piece of the planet that I so nonchalantly hold in my fingertips. The end. folks that concludes this week's episode be sure to follow at specially produce app on instagram for some amazing produce photos and while you're on there give us a follow at plated earth tune in next time for the latest food buzz and remember cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education we'll catch you next time